turn to Luke 23. I do have a full outline, so I think what we'll do is, uh, 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 for you filling blankers, you people that like to do that, I'm going to just read the whole outline to you here in just a moment here. It won't take but a few minutes here. And then we'll make the application and be done. But Luke 23, we've been sitting for a little while here. Jesus is getting ready to go on the cross. I think this is the first of the six hours that he was on the cross. This wonderful passage of scripture, one of the six sayings, or seven sayings of Jesus on the cross. Luke 23, and uh, let's all stand in respect to the reading of the word of God. Let's stand and stretch a little bit. And let me read verse 33, and then read verse 34. It's our text verse. Read that with me, please. And we'll only be, uh, my goal is to get you out at a certain time here, so... Uh, I know what that time is, so it's be very brief here tonight. And we've already been, our cups have already been filled. Thank you, thank you again for that, and Aaron and Kayla. It was wonderful. Luke 23, verse 30, 33, it says this. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, doesn't have a beautiful ring to it, Calvary. The word means the place of the skull, though. It was a gruesome place. We think we saw Gordon's Calvary when we were in Jerusalem, of course. It was just a rocky crag on the side of the road. When they were come to the place called Calvary, there they executed him. They crucified him. And the male factors, one on the right hand, the other on the left. Verse 34, let's read it together. Ready? Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Those Roman soldiers took those spikes and they laid Jesus on that cross. As they slammed that hammer down, those nails into his wrist and into his feet. Just another day, on the, another day at the office, another day on the job. They, they ended up gambling afterwards. They cast lots for his garment. They made fun and mockery. They, they, they mocked at the, and they had no pity towards those that were being executed, of course, not even according to the Christ who did no evil. But I think of that wonderful phrase, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Amazing, amazing. Let's make our prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, help us to learn the principle of forgiveness, we pray. Bless the minutes that we have together around thy wonderful word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Christianity... The doctrine of forgiveness is first base in Christianity. There is no Christianity without forgiveness. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We've been forgiven of all of our sin, that second or third song they sang, of course, in regards to that we're free indeed. Uh, completely, my, then the song, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious song, my sin not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. Let me read the outline to you here, and then we'll make uh, application be done here tonight here. But we want to look at the necessity of forgiveness, number one. The necessity of forgiveness. It's first base in Christianity. It's an absolute in Christianity. It's a command in Christianity. We have barriers of forgiveness, number two. What are barriers of forgiveness? The pride Anger, excuses. There's the pursuit of forgiveness. God says that we should leave our gift at the altar when we got ought against a brother or sister in, in, in the Lord or in Christ or a brother or sister maybe in the flesh. We should forget 
trying to come to God and giving him worship until we get that right with God. Don't wait. Do not wait. That's the next fill in the blank word. Initiate. Just get it taken care of. Letter A. What should I ask for forgiveness? Uh, first of all, to God alone for private sins. This is fill in the blank word. I hope I'm not going too fast. I just want to get through this, rush through this here in five minutes here, and then we'll, we'll slow down for a couple more minutes. When we sin against God and nobody else knows about it, we, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Private sins, there's so many of them. The majority of my sins that I've committed in my life have been private sins. How about you? Uh, me and God know. Most of all my sins begin in the mind. And God knows my thoughts are far off. He knows your thoughts are far off. God alone for private sins. Then who should I ask for forgiveness? Letter B, other individuals for personal offenses. If I've, if I've offended a, a brother or sister or someone, I need to go to them personally and see if I can get this reconciled, reconciliation take place. Letter C, the church for public offense. We need to go in front of the church. And this is a forgotten doctrine in 99.9% .9 of all churches in America, including ours, I'm afraid. There's been a few handful of times where we've had public. There's a great phrase. It is, it, the scope of the transgression is the scope of the confession. When I sin and only God knows about it, I go to God. When I sin and Linda and Tim Butler know about it, I go to Linda and Tim Butler. When I sin, and, uh, I sin against and everybody knows about it, I need to go to everybody that knows about it and I need to ask for forgiveness. And so the scope of the transgression is the scope of the confession. The Bible's very clear about that. Letter B, what should I ask for forgiveness for? Letter A, for deliberate sins. Sometimes we sin willfully. A lot of times we sin willfully. David looked over the... the the balcony of his house on a nice, hot, warm evening and saw a lady bathing there. We know the story well, don't we? The sin of Bathsheba. And he looked. The first time it was by accident. The second time it was on purpose. It was deliberate sins. And then he, he acted upon his sin and he took. And he, and he called for her. And you know the rest of that story. Letter B, for intentional sins. See, David went the second mile. We, our first time we sin is deliberate. The second time we do, it's intentional. We know exactly what we're doing, and we do it again. The Bible says in Psalm 19, verse 13, if you want a verse, keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins, willful sins. Therefore to him, James, says, James 4, 17, therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And uh, we, we, to whom much is given, much it shall be required. We that know the Bible know that uh, what, what, what sins are more than people that are ignorant, but ignorance is no excuse. But intentional sins, let us see unintentional offenses. Sometimes we sin. Did you ever stop and think about, and we're, God is so holy and we're so unholy in our flesh. All of our righteousness are filthy rags. And sometimes we sin, sometimes we transgress and hurt somebody. In fact, Tim, I'm looking at you. I, I said something dumb, yeah, Tim Deal. You probably, probably didn't even catch it. Uh, the carport yesterday morning, or, and uh, uh, I said, uh, oh, well, I guess that's it. And I was looking in my car. Just for, this is between Tim and I for one second. I was looking in my car, and I, meant, I was talking out loud to myself. I said, well, I guess that's it. That means I had everything 
that I uh, needed to get out of the car, but I think it kind of could have been interpreted like, well, that's it, I'm done talking to you. And, we, and t- t- Timmy said, and you walked away. And, and I got to thinking about it. As I said, I wonder if he misinterpreted that. And uh, I didn't mean to, <laughs> you didn't even catch it. He said, preacher, you're just nuts, I get it. So, But uh, unintentional offenses. Sometimes we offend and we don't mean to offend. I'll tell you another quick, 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 quick story. I, um, in fact, somebody I, somebody was from, uh, you know, we have a number of people from Winstead over the years, many people from Winstead, and I made a joke about something about uh, Winstead kids, and I was totally, totally, 100% joking. And somebody got up and walked out during the service, and I, I didn't know why they walked out. I thought they had to go to the bathroom, whatever. And I found out later that they, they took me seriously, that I thought the Winstead kids were or whatever I said about them. And I found out about it weeks or months later, and I went and apologized for it. And uh, I didn't mean to be offensive. I was just trying to make a lame joke, and it didn't go over well. Do you ever do that? I do that all the time, for the record. Letter, uh, letter C, unintentional sin. C, how should I ask or grant forgiveness? A, B, C. First of all, we ask honestly. Accept your part, not who started it. You honestly ask for forgiveness. We'll come back to that maybe. We, we ask kindly. Be kind, tenderhearted one to another. Christ was a, aren't you glad that Christ is a kind Savior? He's a gentle shepherd. Oh, don't open the wound with a bad spirit. If you dwell on things, or you, you, you stick the knife in and, to get your pound of flesh, you got a bad spirit. Let her see sincerely. So, how should we ask for forgiveness or grant forgiveness? We should do it honestly, kindly, and let her see sincerely. This many times will determine the response. Letter D. How should I avoid in asking for or for granting for forgiveness? How can I? Pardon me. What should I avoid in asking for for forgiveness or for granting forgiveness? First of all. Avoid making excuses. You see, Saul, remember when he went into the battle against the Malachites, he was supposed to kill King Agag and kill all and destroy all, and most of you know the story in 1 Samuel chapter 15. He made excuses when the prophet called him. When David was, Nathan pointed his, I can picture a bony old finger, pointed David's face when David committed his sin with Bathsheba, and David and Nathan said, Thou art the man. David came clean right off the bat. Oh, he got caught. But he came clean. And uh, his sin was covered. He should have, we should have seen the death penalty. But David didn't make excuses. Saul made excuses. Uh, don't let her be. Shift blame. We see that all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Lord, it was the woman you gave me. That's, that's the reason why I did this. It's your fault. You know, people are notorious for blaming somebody else for why they did what they did. There used to be a saying, used to be a guy, a comedian, Flip Wilson, back in the old days, back in, for you folks that are as old as I am or older, you remember Flip Wilson. The devil made me do it. You don't blame it on God, you blame it on the devil, just blame it on another being, you know, a, a superior being, a super being. Men blame God. If God, you're so righteous, you're so good, then why did you only make one way to go to heaven? Why does that have to be through Jesus? That's a lot of unsaved people think that way. Shifting blame, making excuses, letter C. Creating ultimatums. 
if you don't forgive me, I'll, and you fill in the blank. People put conditions on their, their, their asking for forgiveness or for granting forgiveness. Then if you ever do this again, I'll forgive you this time, but not if you do this again, we're done. Peter said, Lord, how, how many times should we forgive somebody? Seven times? The Lord said, yeah, 70 times seven. And then letter D, harboring for bitterness. Harboring bitterness. Let's go to Ephesians 4. And we, we were there this morning. In fact, we ended the message in Ephesians. And I want to go to Ephesians 4 once again here tonight here and make application. We'll be done in just moments. This is Christianity again for the second time 101. This is first base. This is foundational Christianity. If you don't understand forgiveness, you don't understand Christianity. And I'm afraid there's a whole lot of Christians who don't understand forgiveness. The Bible says, let me begin in verse number 25. Just look at verse 25 for a moment here. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man the truth of his neighbor, for he remembers one of another. Be angry, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Get, keep short accounts. Neither give place or give room for the, uh, to the devil. Don't, don't uh, go and get in bed with the devil. Don't, don't let him mess with your mind. Let him that still, stole steal no more, let no, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing that is good. Verse number 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearer. Verse 30 through 32, now these are the text verses. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. How do we grieve him? Well, the answer is given in verses 31 and 32. Let all bitterness. I want you to think of that person. I, I want to force you now to think of that person in your life, those people in your life that you can't forgive. I give the silly illustration, but it's, it's uh, partially true and partially tongue-in-cheek. But the last speeding ticket I got seven years ago on Sonny's birthday, I still, I'll never forget that, that cop for, for getting me in that speed trap. <laughs> I pled the only, 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 only ticket I ever pled not guilty with. I went to court over it. I lost. They reduced my fine, and, and uh, ignorance is no excuse of the law. And uh, the truth be told, I could sit down with that police officer and have a cup of coffee with him and I could forgive him in a second but I'm still mad about getting that ticket I'll tell you this I'll probably go to my grave with that mad mad about it but let all bitterness car got towed by the way did I tell you that part <laughs> yeah I bought it oh let me just finish that story just for 10 seconds just for fun I bought the car like the week before and we're through a dealership and they did all the paperwork and I went to get the paperwork, and you can't get, you can't get a car registered without insurance, right? You gotta have insurance. So I had all that stuff, but I couldn't get, I could, it wasn't in the paperwork. So I didn't have no insurance form, and uh, so they had to tow the car. Oh boy, was I mad. On top of the ticket, I had to get the tar, co, tar, to the car towed. It was not a good day. I was not a happy camper. You asked my wife about it. <laughs> oh, it's silly. That all bitterness. And wrath, and anger, and clamor, and evil speaking. 
be put away with you for with all malice, evil intent. And verse number 32, and be kind. Let's read it together, verse 32. Let's read it together all in unison. Ready? And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Have you committed that verse to memory? That's a great verse to memorize. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving who? One another. How? Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. When Jesus died on the cross, how many of those sins of yours did he die for? All of them. Past, present, and future. Jesus practiced and he initiated the, the concept of forgiving forward. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. They never even ask for forgiveness. The Armenian Christian, there is such a thing, those that believe you can fall from grace, they say if you sin and you don't get it taken care of after you've received Christ as your Savior and you sin and Christ comes back or you die without getting that sin taken care of, that you die and go to hell. What kind of salvation is that? He forgave us of all of our sin. Past, present, and future. He forgave forward. And when we don't Give me the punchline when we're done here tonight here. When we refuse, I'm looking at the bottom of the worksheet. When we refuse to forgive or don't forgive, we are saying something. I touched on this morning, I have to be elusive on purpose again. Brother Jim, it's taken me, I'm not a veteran like you're a veteran. You got 20 years on me. But I, he'd been a Christian a long time, and he did a great job in Sunday school this morning, by the way, and a great, great teaching job on the book of Isaiah. But when you don't forgive, I've, I've lived long enough to figure this out finally. It took me many years, even as a pastor. But I've seen a pattern over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. I see this pattern, and we've had it happen. I'll be a little elusive, but I'll say, this year has happened. You show me a person that cannot forgive their loved one, their mother, their father, their brother or sister, their best friend maybe, their spouse. And there's a broken, there's something that happened in the division and schism and it's gone on for 10 years, 5 years, 2 years, 20 years, 40 years. It's uh, lifetimes. By the way, it's generational. Kids don't, people have kids, a lot of them. And those kids have kids. They're called grandkids for some of us. And those grandkids have kids. They're called great-grandkids for some of us as well. And this generational division. We got a big division. You say, how big does this get? Yeah, have you heard of the Middle East? Just real quickly. There was two boys one day, once upon a time, their names were Jacob and Esau. Two other boys named Isaac and Ishmael. You see the conflict over in, in, in the Middle East with little old Israel and two and a half times the size of the United States of America, population of 14 major Islamic countries, and the hatred that they have towards their kinsmen, according to the flesh. It's gone on for 3,500 years. This bitterness, this forgiveness thing is a pretty big issue. And back to this, the application 
When you will not forgive, this is what I've seen happen over and over again as a pastor. When you will not forgive somebody that's hurt you or wronged you, you will eventually get to the point where you will not forgive your church family and you'll, you'll divide and separate. You'll leave the church because somebody offended you and you can't forgive them. They, just, they, they did something so egregious against you that you can never, never, never... Because you, 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 you can betray your loved one, you can betray your church family as well. And I alluded to this morning here, and I'll say it again in closing here, and we'll make application be done finally. But this idea that, that I have my rights, that I was so offended that I just cannot forgive. You're saying this. When we refuse to forgive or don't, don't forgive, we are saying that the blood of Christ is sufficient to cleanse us from all our sin. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin, the Bible says. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. He's faithful and just to forgive us all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we say that we will not forgive somebody, we're saying the blood of Christ is sufficient for our cleansing and for me of all of my sin, but not efficient enough for me to forgive the offender of the one that has offended me. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 26, if, I can't quote it all of a sudden, let me just turn there real quickly here. 1025 has been our theme verse for the whole year. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some is, but exhorting ourselves, exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. But verse number 26 says this For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and doeth not to him to sin. For those that, that know that we should forgive and forgive not, the Bible says, there remaineth no more sacrifice. For sins. If the, if the blood of Jesus Christ is not efficient enough to cleanse or for you to forgive that person of their sins, there remaineth no more sacrifice. What a, what a terrible. We're saying Christ, Christ died on that cross. He said, Father, forgive them. They never did ask for forgiveness, for they know not what they do. Why don't you just practice some forgiving forward? Why don't you just say, Lord, who is it in your life? And I close with this. Who is it in your life that you have ought against? Who is it that hurt you? Who is it that you need to say, first of all, in your heart, Lord, forgive me for holding ought against my brother or sister in Christ? Who do I need to go to and make amend? God's given us the ministry, 2 Corinthians 5, of reconciliation. I think one of the greatest reasons why churches are hurting all across America is that we have so much division and schism in our church bodies because we have so much unforgiveness. We haven't learned, we have got to get back to first base Christianity. Father, forgive them. Lord, may I forgive them and may I love them and not bring it up. Not, not, uh, you don't have to have forgiveness to uh, ask for to forgive. You can just forgive. It's okay. It's all right to do it. That's what God did. Lord, help me to be an uh, instrument of peace. Help me to be an instrument of forgiveness. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word tonight. Lord, help us to Forgive as we have been forgiven. If we could do that, if we would do that, Lord, there's nobody that could ever offend us that could hurt us so bad that we could not forgive them. Lord, help us to be instruments of your grace. Help us to be reconcilers.
Help us, Lord, to understand that all of our blood is, all of our sins are under the blood of Christ. Lord, help us to know that it may be well with our soul, we pray. And I pray this, I pray you blessed in our moments of invitation. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. Let's sing, how about that first, last verse? I know we just sing it, but I'm referring to it as well with my soul. Let's sing the first and the, that verse.